Hey you. Yes, you. Thanks for tuning in to the Healthy, Wild, and Free podcast. My name is David Benjamin. I'm your host and the founder of HealthyWildAndFree.com. If you're like me, you understand that health, the mind, body, spirit, heart connection, and living a green, eco-friendly, sustainable lifestyle are some of the most valuable and life-enhancing lessons that we can learn and pass on to our children to live happy and abundant lives. That's why this podcast was created, to help you grow in these areas. If you aren't already subscribed to the newsletter, go to HealthyWildAndFree.com, click the box at the top right-hand corner to get a free copy of our latest ebook, and you will be subscribed to be notified about future podcasts. Thanks for subscribing and tuning in. Enjoy. Hello, podcast listeners. This is David Benjamin, your host of the Healthy, Wild, and Free podcast. Today we have an amazing guest who is going to talk about something that is very interesting to me because I feel like the, the world of senses, vision, hearing, and all these, all of our senses, uh, as far as healing is concerned, is kind of a, an area, a gray area or a misunderstood area or an area that isn't really explored in ways that it could be. So today we have on the show Jonathan Goldman. He's an international authority on sound healing and a pioneer in the field of harmonics. He is the author of Healing Sounds, Shifting Frequencies, The Lost Chord, and the best-selling The Seven Secrets of Sound Healing, Chakra Frequencies, which is co-authored with his wife, Andy, and his latest, The Divine Name. Winner of the 2011 Visionary Award for Best Alternative Health Book, Jonathan is director of the Sound Healers Association and president of Spirit Music Incorporated in Boulder, Colorado. A Grammy nominee, he has created numerous best-selling, award-winning recordings, including The Divine Name with Greg Braden, Ricky Chance, Frequencies, Sounds of Healing, The Lost Chord, 2012 Ascension Harmonics, and Chakra Chance. He's a double winner of Visionary Awards for Best Healing Meditation Album and Album of the Year. His most recent release is, forgive me if I get this wrong, Jonathan Merkaba or Merkaba of Sound. And Jonathan is a lecturing member of the International Society for Music Medicine. He has dedicated his life to the path of service, helping awaken and empower others with the ability of sound to heal and transform. In spring of 2011, Jonathan was named as one of Watkins Review's 100 Most Spiritually Influential People on the Planet. At, also in t- 2011, Jonathan was inducted into the Massage Therapies Hall of Fame. He presents healing sounds, lectures, workshops, and seminars worldwide, and he lives in Boulder, Colorado with his wife, Andy. And you can learn more about his work at HealingSounds.com. And we're going to bring him on the call right now. Jonathan, are you there? I am here indeed, David, and Merkaba sound is very good, or Merkaba sound. It's uh, really interesting uh, talking about sound. It's, uh, is it pineal or pineal? It, you know, it depends upon, I guess, what part of the country, what part of the nation, what part of the world you're from. In terms of the uh, you know, pronunciation and enunciation of these different things, how are you, my friend? That's <laughs> a great point. I'm doing well. I, glad you're doing well today, and I'm, I'm glad you could be on the podcast with us. I really appreciate it. Uh, I, I wanted to start the podcast, how I start all my podcasts, and ask you the simple question, how did you initially become interested in the kind of, uh, well, for you, harmonics and sound healing world, but in a kind of holistic, therapeutic sense? 
Ah, David, well, that is a great and, to me, very important question. And in order to answer it, we have to travel in the Wayback Machine. The Wayback Machine uh, means we step into in it and we go back over 30 years. It's getting to be 35 or more scary. And there I am playing in a, a place called Marshfield, Massachusetts, which is on Cape Cod. I am playing in a rock and roll band when we are playing in a seaside bar, a bit like Bruce Springsteen, if you like. And I'm on stage playing lead guitar and singing with a band, and all of a sudden, I have this realization that the, if you like, the ambience of the nightclub uh, there is full of negativity and violence, no doubt, the intoxicants and the alcohol and the other things that people were imbibing and was helping create this ambiance of negativity, but also, at the time, the music was. And I had the thought, just a simple thought, what if music used to make people feel better? Now, mind you, I'd been performing professionally for about 15 or 16 years. So why that night of all nights should that thought come to me? And second of all, that thought then began to do, if you like, a slight shift. It began to turn, evolve, revolve, and uh, ascend, and it became, what if sound could be used to heal? And from there, as soon as that, if you like, entered my psyche, this gateway opened up, and this, if you like, door of... Um, like investigation, research, and opportunity uh, manifested to the degree that within a couple of weeks, I found probably the only person in the New England area who was uh, doing workshops on uh, using sound as a healing modality. And this woman named Sarah Benson, who has since ascended to the, uh, shall we say, next plane of existence, uh, became a dear, dear friend of myself and my wife. And, um, you know, at the time, we're talking about the late 1970s, there were relatively uh, very, very few books out. The concept of new age music for relaxation really didn't exist. And so there was this whole world that opened up for me. And as I began to research and explore, and I have to tell you, I, had, I was really juiced about this. The idea was just so intriguing because I knew it was real. Even though at the time there was, you know, at n not a whole lot of information that was regularly available. Um, but I then began a master's degree program at Lesley University in Cambridge, Massachusetts, uh, researching the uses of sound and music for healing. I founded the Sound Healers Association, uh, took this music company that I have, and this is pretty interesting, because the music company was a, if you like, this is going back in time, a new wave music company, uh, new wave music, I don't know if you remember that, but that was like the talking heads and that type of thing. This became a new age music company, and the, the only thing I didn't have to change was the name of the company because it was called Spirit Music, which I think is pretty interesting. And we be we began to put out that uh, therapeutic and transformational music, uh, first not for myself but from other people who 
were at the time doing outstanding work, and then probably after about five or six years, I realized that it was about time for me to begin to um, manifest some of my stuff, and I have since continued doing that. And uh, I've written uh, a number of books and have over 25 CDs, many of them award-winning, some of them Grammy-nominated, and it's uh, been a wild ride because it's real. That's awesome. That's amazing. I I really enjoyed your book, Healing Sounds. It's one of the most kind of fascinating books around the topic, topic, topic of healing that I've read. And the this kind of broad, broadening of my perception and different kind of forms and modalities to heal was really kind of widened by, by reading that book. Uh, could you share the story? I, I, I thought this story was amazing. It sounded like it was straight out of the movie Avatar or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the story in your book where you, you talk about the... Uh, acoustic luminescent or acoustic oh, luminescent. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's... That, that that is indeed an interesting one. I was um, down in Palenque, which is in uh, one of the ancient, if you like, uh, cities that the Mayans built a long time ago in uh, Mexico during something called the Harmonic Convergence, which was in 1987. And this guide offered to take myself and this group of about, oh, I don't know, we had about six, eight, ten people with us to take us on a tour of Palenque, this ancient city that um, no one else would ever see because we were going to be doing it at night when it was closed. And that's great. So I'm with him, and we're there, and he's taking us to these temples that are being excavated but have not been totally, uh, if you like, unearthed. And he takes us down to one. And in my broken Spanish and his broken English, we were able to communicate together, and I told him about my interest in sound. And at one point, we're in this room. He turns off his flashlight. David is pitch black. And he says to me, make sound. So I began to make a harmonically oriented sound, as I uh, mentioned in this and other books, and all of a sudden, the room begins to become illuminated. Now, it wasn't like somebody turned on a light bulb, but you could literally make out the shapes of people in the rooms. And after about, oh, 30 seconds or a minute, he turns the light back on, we continue our tour. And my mind was, shall we say, um... Uh, a little bit blown at that, that point, and I wanted to see if other people had also experienced it, and they had. And then when I got back and I began to write this book, Healing Sounds, I began to investigate the concept, because I didn't know anything about it, but it is called either acoustoluminescence or sonoluminescence, and it's the ability of sound to turn into light. And uh, this may have to do with melatonin, it may have to do with quartz crystals, Lots of people have written on the phenomena, and I was just quite delighted to have been able to experience it myself. And it was really a mind-boggler to realize that uh, without any tricks uh, tricks of the trade, so to speak, and talking about that, if anybody, and this is not necessarily a suggestion, but if anyone 
has a couple of, oh, nice large quartz crystals that want to experience this. If you sort of rub them together, just gently, they'll begin to glow, uh, uh, producing an inner light. And it's not like a flashlight, but it's an inner glow, and uh, it's an amazing phenomenon. Now, of course, the room has got to be really dark and pitch black in order to be able to see this, but what a strange phenomenon that if you rub crystals against each other, they will glow and produce light. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. And do you think that the acoustic luminescence kind of explains to some degree how sound healing may work as far as illuminating parts of our body that, and that sound is kind of doing that to some degree? Sure. Uh, I, I had not actually, until you mentioned the thought about it as an aspect of the uh, healing nature of sound, it certainly could be. Um, I think that um, what happens with the idea of sound healing simply is that the sound either goes into our ears and goes into our brain and then affects our nervous system, our heart rate, and our respiration. That's called psychoacoustics. Or it literally goes into our cells and goes down to us, or us on a molecular level and even deeper on a DNA level and begins to create shift and change. And I think the phenomena is far more quantum than simply this idea of acoustic luminescence, which is uh, certainly um, a wonderful, wonderful experience having to do mostly with quartz crystals and the ability of quartz crystals to take one form of energy and transduce it, turn, turn it into another form of energy. So it can go from pressure to electricity to sound to ultimately light and even further. Uh, but um, when we make sound, I think there's something else that goes on. I'm not 100% sure. I have my theory, and I'll be glad to share it with the audience, if you like. Yeah, yeah, I'd love that. Okay, well, the idea basically goes back a long, long time ago. Our ancient mystic masters told us in the beginning was the Word, and the Lord said, let there be light. In India, they say, not a Brahmin, the world is sound. If you examine the basic tenets of the different traditions on this planet, you find a commonality in their understanding that life, the universe, and everything is created solely through vibration, through sound. And now our quantum physicists are telling us the same thing. Everything is in a state of vibration. And in fact, what is the name of the latest if, um, uh, quantum physics theory? It's called super string theory. Uh, when my son was younger, he uh, and he knows a, a bit about this. He works with me. But when he was very young, he was a little kid, and of course, we were watching a show on this. And he says, "Dad, why do they call it super string theory? Why don't they call it harmonic vibratory theory?" I said, "Well, that's a little bit too complex, but that's basically what it is: the idea that everything is in a state of vibration, from the electrons moving around the nucleus of an atom." The planets and distant galaxies moving around their suns are all in a state of vibration. 
And now we may not be able to hear this vibration of sound, but nevertheless there is a vibration being created, and this includes our bodies. Every organ, every bone, every tissue, every part of our body is in a state of vibration. And in fact, when we're in a state of health, we say we're in sound health. And we're like this overall orchestra that is playing this wonderful symphony of the self, this wonderful, just beautiful song of the self. You, whatever name you want to give it, but what happens, David? If the third violin player loses their sheet music, they begin to play out of tune, out of harmony. Pretty soon, the entire string section sounds off. Pretty soon, the entire orchestra sounds off. Mm-hmm. And this okay. is basically uh, akin to a part of our body vibrating out of its natural, healthy, resonant frequency. It's vibrating out of tune, out of harmony, out of ease, and we say it's diseased. And what if we could somehow give this string player back their sheet music? What if we could somehow restore back to that part of the part of the body that was vibrating out of ease, out of harmony, the correct vibrational frequencies, and put it back in tune? That's the basic, simple idea of using using sound as a healing modality. It's simple, and yet it's so very, very real, and something that our modern, uh, a lot of our modern healers, whether they're medical or um, working on a holistic uh, level, allopathic medicine, whatever, they're really beginning to realize the idea of using sound as a healing modality. Mm-hmm. Uh, on that vibrational note, and that may or may not be a pun, I'm not really sure yet. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty good. <laughs> you talk about in your book how, how sound gives energy or it can drain energy. So my question around that would be, how do we know which sound or you know harmonic tone is, is giving us energy or taking energy from us? Because sometimes we can get lost in the music but not really kind of feel that tangible benefit or lack of benefit. Well, David, that's a great question. And that part of that in the book was based upon the work of a man by the name of Dr. Alfred Tomatis, who uh, spent many years working with the ear. A lot of people consider him to be the Einstein of the ear, if you like. And he found that the ear is an instrument that, that literally, well, a lot of people think that the main purpose of the ear is uh, for for hearing. But in reality, what... Uh, Dr. Tomatos found, and most doctors know this, is that the ear, the first and primary uh, aspect of uh, the ear is to provide balance, balance to the body, and also to charge the brain with sound. And Dr. Tomatos found that sounds high in harmonic frequencies, and that includes a lot of chanting, such as Gregorian chant, etc., can charge the brain. And there are lots of uh, different stories about this now. How do we know? I mean, this is, you know, this is the whole thing. And you have to understand, this is just my perception, as well as some other doctors who work with sound, is that we're all unique 
vibratory beings. Number one, we're all a little bit different. Okay, let me ask you a question or suggest to you something uh, before I continue on. And this is something that I often talk about in the workshops because, uh, you know, people have this idea that, oh, you know, there's this one frequency that's going to fix everything for everybody. And I don't believe in the magic frequency because if, let's say, everything is in a state of vibration, this would include penicillin. Penicillin is not only a drug and whatnot, but it's a vibratory frequency. And I always ask uh, in a workshop, say, okay, how many of you are allergic to penicillin? And depending upon the workshop, and I never know who, what, where, when, or how, I'll get anywhere from 5 to 20% of an audience will raise their hand. And I go, wow, okay, that's amazing. You know, and whether it's, and, whether it's 5% or 20%, there is a certain percentage of people where what is a healing, um, if you like, vibration, a healing energy form, penicillin, for 5 to 20% is toxic. And I think the same thing is also true of sound. So while the work of Dr. Tomatis is very important, and his work has since been taken over by a number of people, including a friend of mine named Dr. Uh, Ron Menson and a a woman by the name of Billy Thompson, but it's the uh, Tomatis, T-O-M-A-T-I-S. At the same time, I'd like to suggest that very, very young people have different metabolisms than people who are in their 50s or 60s or 70s. And um, so therefore, what works for one group of people might not work for another group of people. Now, saying that, I hope I'm not confusing you too much with giving you too much information. No, no, this is great. This is great. Thank you. Yeah, this is fine. Okay, saying that, um, as I meant, well, I'm over 60, and, you know, I still like rock and roll a whole lot and et cetera, et cetera. But oftentimes when I'm on the radio or whatnot, people ask me, what's with these young kids in their cars? And, you know, uh, the bass speakers are so loud, it's like the, uh, you know, uh, they're almost levitating because the sound is causing the cars to uh, almost bounce up and down. I said, well, something that most people don't know is that loud sounds have a number of different effects. And I'm not just... uh, you know, I'm not talking about only loud rock and roll. It could be loud classical music or loud opera um, or fire engine going by or whatnot. But louds or a jet plane taking off. But loud sounds trigger what is called the fight or flight mechanism in our body. And it causes the release of adrenaline. Now, we don't know why it triggers this fight or flight, uh, but it may date back to when we were cave people. We'd be asleep, and all of a sudden we'd hear a roar, and the next thing we know we're in a tree uh, without even being consciously aware of it because the roar meant something that was dangerous to us, usually a saber-toothed tiger or something. But nowadays, we are besieged by loud sounds all the time. And I believe that a lot of folks uh, are basically adrenaline junkies, for want of a better term, which is why they listen either to the uh, stereo system in their car really loud or, and I'm a little concerned about this one, um, everybody listening on their iPods 
and uh, iPhones or their Androids to music via earbuds as an MP3. And without getting too um, too complicated, if you if you were to take your hand and hold the, your hands and hold them apart, okay, and they're about three part, feet apart now, aren't they? About yeah. them. Uh-huh. Okay, now start bringing them together and bring them together and bring them together till they're about three inches apart. Now that three feet apart is about the spectrum of sound that naturally occurs, and but then as you compress it and make it smaller and smaller till it's about three inches, that's what an MP3 does. It in- compresses the sound more and more, which is why you're able to fit a gazillion songs on your iPhone. But the thing is that they're, they will, in order to compress it, in order to make it smaller, they had to take out a whole lot of sound. And because they took out a whole lot of sound, a lot of things are missing. It's sort of tricking your ear and literally tricking your brain into thinking the sound is there. But really, you want more, so you have to listen to it louder and louder. And I am also a little bit concerned that at some point, uh, we're going to have a generation of 35-year-olds wearing hearing aids. Hmm. Interesting. I did not know oh, that at or, all. <laughs> or, or, or something. So the here is that. Now, I'm, I'm getting the urge, if you like, to uh, play you a little music and just see what it sounds like. How would that be? Uh, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to play you, um, <clears throat> okay, for your listeners who know, who don't know, there are these esoteric energy centers of the body called the chakras, and there are seven main chakras, and they're related to the endocrine system and to different organs. And I am going to play you now just a little, and we'll see how this sounds, and see we, see what it sounds like, and... Uh, uh, this is for the crown center, and the music is pulsed very slowly, which affects our heartbeat and our respiration, and it also has certain tunes and tones and mantras and different frequencies that are said to activate the higher spiritual aspects. So with that in mind, are we ready to give a little listen to the crown center? Should we try? Yeah. Okay, sure. here we go.
soil. How did that sound on your end? Wasn't too distorted or anything? It sounded okay? Yeah, it sounded good. There's a few little hiccups, but overall it sounded great. I just wanted you to get an idea. And, you know, you can more or less get the vibe of that, for want of a better uh, term. Uh, you know, I'm playing it, and it's going over the phone line, so it's really mono. And, of course, uh, you know, anybody uh, who's, you know, a musician and has a uh, recording studio, they, they make the most pristine sound, you know, meant to be listened to over the most uh, pristine, either headphones or speakers. And here I've uh, basically reduced this to mono, which is something that uh, <laughs> uh, was uh, actually um, existed until about the year 1955. Stereo music, I was reading a book, began to be developed around 1955. That's a little factoid for you. And anyway, uh-huh. this is mono, but it's not normally mono. Anyway, and then that, fe- that featured myself doing these vowel sounds, Sarah Benson, who I mentioned before, and my wife, Andy, playing harp. And that had to do with the um, crown center. W- what do you feel like after you heard that? My brain feels more balanced. That would be the first thing. I just feel like at ease and, and just kind of at peace mentally. Yes. Nice, nice, yeah. I feel a little more chilled out myself, and uh, I think this is all real good. Now, of course, if we were doing drive-time radio and people are stuck in traffic, uh, you know, um, I used to be a professional disc jockey, and, you know, we would, uh, you know, even back uh, back in the old days, the disc jockeys are aware of the fact that, you know, at drive-time, prime-time radio, you want to drive uh, and have the music really fast and quick so that, you know, people are really attuned to driving. I remember, well, uh, for my marriage, I, uh, I took a long trip. And on the way down, because I was so, if you like, um, I don't want excited, I played pretty uh, up-tempo music, and it was great. And then on the way back, everything was... Uh, and it was a fairly long trip. On the on the way back, uh, the marriage had happened, and uh, I put on this very calm and relaxing music with my wife, and we almost both uh, we almost had to pull off the side of the road because we became so relaxed. So I always tell people not to listen to the type of music that I create in their car. Good tip. That's a great tip. Just for safety, <laughs> for safety alone. <laughs> Right, so don't operate heavy machinery, stay away from uh, lawnmowers, et cetera. Right. I, in your book, you talked about how the ears are linked to the nervous system, pineal gland, uh, your heart, digestion, vision, movement process, and even uh, the vagus nerve. Uh, and even uh, you, you mentioned you touched on melatonin production. How are these organs and systems in the body affected by harmonics? What are the kind of physiological changes that take place? Ooh. So let, 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 let's take that a step further. That was, that, that, that was a heavy question, and the audience would have to ask what harmonics are. And harmonics would simply be, uh, um, I'm going to try to make this very, very easy, but a lot of people don't know that when we hear a sound, we're actually not just hearing one sound. We're hearing a composite of different sounds together that very much like we, you know, if you were to take a prism and hold it into clear sunlight and it would break it 
break the sunlight up into all these different colors. Harmonics, if you like, are the colors of sound. So that whenever we hear uh, sounds, we're not just hearing individual uh, uh, single notes, we're actually hearing composite frequencies that work all together. And every individual note that we hear is actually a composite frequency. Now, I'm going to take this one step further for you, which is not one that you asked, but just to talk about some of the effects of self-created sound. Not even just listening to sounds that have harmonics, but of course our voices have harmonics. When we hum, when we make a ah sound, these are all sounds that you know affect us. And some of the things that happen are, get ready for this, we get the release of melatonin, which is this... Um, hormone that has been used for everything from helping to regulate the body clock, the pineal, of course, and uh, has been used to shrink tumors and used for treatment of depression. We oxygenate ourselves, we lower our heartbeat and our respiration and our brainwave activity. We get the release of nitric oxide. Now, this is not nitrous oxide, which is very wonderful in the dentist's office, but nitric oxide is actually a vascular dilator, which basically allows blood to flow more freely and is considered one of the most important, if you like, molecules. It's, and it was actually, some years ago, actually named the molecule of the year because of the importance of it. And they've been using it a lot for uh, treatment of people with uh, pulmonary conditions, etc., in order to help the blood flow. Uh, and one of the things that, that also happens when we make sound together, David, when we make sound together, we get literally the release of oxytocin, which is the trust chemical. And I think that's so important. So that's why when you get people to sound together, we literally can begin all those walls that exist between us can disappear and we can be as one. Very cool. As far as the vagus nerve is concerned, I'm curious how, I've, I've, I don't know too much about the vagus nerve, but I've seen it here and there in books. How, how does it affect the vagus nerve and what does the vagus nerve do? If I were to tell you that I wrote that book over 20 years ago and uh, that I can, you know, I don't have it in front of me, so I cannot remember. Uh, so I gave you the latest, more simplified uh, research. Uh, I, you know, in the book, I have a, you know, a couple of, in my first book, Healing Sounds, which was written in 1992, and all the information is more than still correct then. I have a couple of chapters, uh, not chapters, uh, paragraphs at least on that, but the uh, vagus or eighth cranial nerve is uh, associated with a lot of things from our um, larynx and our breathing and our digestion, et cetera, et cetera. So that, um, I mean, you know, as I mentioned before, if I were to make a loud sound and get the triggering of the fight-or-flight response within you, your heartbeat would start beating faster. You'd get tense. 
your digestion, your digestive processes would be affected. All these different things occur through sound. Just think about what happens if you're walking down the street and a fire, or, or the next time you're walking down the street and you hear an ambulance or a fire engine come by. Check yourself out. See what it does to your body. Because mm-hmm. you'll find that stuff is going on. And uh, oftentimes, we're not even aware of this. Um, an easy example is oftentimes a lot of us have noisy refrigerators. And all of a sudden, when the refrigerator clicks off, all of a sudden we go, <sighs> we breathe a sigh of relief because the noise which has been there and unconsciously affecting us is gone. It's so wonderful. This is, for example, another reason why, you know, going by the seashore and hearing the sound of the ocean or listening to some other natural sounds like the wind or crickets is so soothing because it really puts us in deep states of relaxation. So sound can either stress us out or can relax us. Mm Mm-hmm. In your book, you talk about hermetic philosophy. What exactly is that, and how does it play a role in in sound healing? Hermetic philosophy. That's interesting. um, The book Healing Sounds was originally to be titled Hermetic Harmonics. And I remember that was the only thing that the publishers changed and said, nobody is going to know what hermetic harmonics are. You better come up with something that's a little bit more uh, mainstream. I said, okay, how about healing sounds? I said, okay. So the word uh, hermetic simply refers to the fact that something is hidden, if you like. And, um, And this comes from Hermes, who was said to be the uh, an aspect of the Greek, Greek uh, and Roman gods Mercury's and Hermes, and also of uh, the um, Egyptian god Thoth, and these were the the great the great scribes of our time writing the esoteric mystical knowledge. So at the time, I thought that the concept of Harmonics was very, very mystical. I found out about the idea that within each sound that we hear, or actually a composite of sound, was to me the most mystical thing in existence, and it still is. But uh, these days, I'm much more, if you like, focused on, so I'm very, very glad that I uh, called it Healing Sounds. And incidentally, if anybody is interested in either listening or finding out more information, my website is healingsounds.com. Healingsounds, that sounds with an S at the end, dot com. Because, David, can you imagine what it would be like if I had to go, my website is Hermetic Harmonics. How would I even begin to spell that? (laughs) Yeah, it would be confusing for most people. (laughs) Right. So, you know, here we are basically just talking about how sound can be used for healing, which uh, I'm so glad that people like yourself have read Healing Sounds. And what I've been doing as I um, am in this field longer and longer and trying to get more and more mainstream people to 
begin to understand how sound can be used for healing, uh, I've been simplifying more and more. Uh, my books have gotten shorter and shorter, and purposely so, because most people don't have the time to really sit and read. So I want to, first of all, congratulate you upon having read Healing Sounds, because there's some really great information. I pick it up and I still read it and go, wow, that's great. And, uh, you know, my book, The Seven Secrets of Sound Healing, is uh, much, much uh, easier to understand. But as sound has been growing and growing, and, and you know, if anybody wants to uh, Google uh, sound healing or healing sounds or uh, sound therapy, they'll find tons and tons and tons of references. But the reality is that there's a lot of stuff that's made up. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what I've tried to do in uh, my more recent books uh, is simply to give information that's valid, that's been validated, and is true, and can be very, very, very ancient. But, you know, there are people who are saying, well, the frequency of love is this frequency, when in reality, that's kind of silly because... Um, how can you have just one frequency of love? Whenever a mother holds a baby and rocks it and coos gently a lullaby or whatever sounds we're talking about, uh, that is, if you like, whatever sound she's making is encoded with the energy of love. So there is right. no real frequency of love. But there are a whole lot of people who would like you to believe it and they would like you to buy uh their you know recording of this frequency of love so that you can experience it and of course you know in my first book uh healing sounds i have a formula which is frequency plus intent equals healing and intent which is if you like our belief is so very very important um i have a good friend by the name of uh, bruce lipton who's a, a well-known medical doctor who's written a book Called the uh, one of his books is called the Biology of Belief, and um, he, basically um, people used to refer to this. They still do as the placebo effect, but really there's something else going on. It's really talking about the power of the mind, the body, and the spirit working all together. Because if you know, a lot of times if you believe something is going to have an effect it will have that effect. And um, so I, I have to honor, I mean, anybody, you know, even even if they're working with, with whatever they believe is the uh, frequency of love or the frequency of this or that, but once again, there's also, you know, as I said, probably if you get between 60 and 80% of a population to have a particular effect, whether it's with a pharmacological like penicillin or a sound, that's about as good as you can do it because I have never, ever, ever seen or heard of any anything that's going to work the exact same way for anyone else. I mean, for everyone else. Have you? No, I mean, nothing's a hundred percent in my opinion. <laughs> you know, really. You know, I mean, it's like aspirin. No, there are people who are allergic to aspirin. Well, this and that. No, there are people allergic to this and that. You know, so it's a, it's an interesting phenomena, and you know, which is why I have. As I said, over 25 different CDs, and we have file cabinets full of different um, recordings that people have had 
phenomenal success healing different conditions. But at the same time, there are also people like, well, you know, it didn't it did nothing for me. That might be one out of a hundred or one out of a thousand. And I'll go, Okay. I really honor that because we are not all the same person. Luckily, how boring would this world be if we all like the same things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be pretty bland. <laughs> not, <laughs> right. much, not much range of color or sound, that's for sure. Uh, oh, really? You know, we're all looking at the same picture. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that uh, that you mentioned that frequency plus intent uh, is what creates healing. Is there any, is there kind of a, so it's kind of a self, is that a self-generated frequency kind of, or is that something you would listen to or what in, in your kind of um, process there? Well, if I may tell you the story about how this happened, um, I was collecting all of this data for a uh, book that I was writing after I'd got my master's degree from Leslie University. And it was the book was actually Healing Sounds. And um, I had a pile of papers that was probably a foot high. And it all had to do with different systems of using sound and music for healing. Now, it was great. You know, uh, there was all this information about people. Who, a lot of them were scientists and doctors and whatnot who were claiming great success with using these different mantras, these different sounds, these different tones, these different frequencies, and having great success in healing. But the problem was, they were all different. I'm freaking out. I don't know how old you are, David, but I will say that I remember that the computer that I was using worked with a DOS operating system, which meant that it was like basically a uh, the screen was black with these amber letters. <laughs> and I remember it was, you know, flashing in front of me, and I had my hands uh, holding my head because I was in a state of intellectual angst, because I come from a family of doctors. And I knew that there was, if you like, this whole idea of, of you know, creating the uh, correct resonant frequency of uh, an object was certainly one aspect of how sound can heal. So we were this wonderful orchestra. And yet all these people had were working with different frequencies. And I thought, how can this be? And I was in a state of intellectual angst when I remember this inner voice, if you like. I don't know if it was my inner guidance or, I don't know, Pythagoras coming from a past lifetime. I don't know who it was, but they said, it is not only the frequency of the sound that creates its effect. It is also the intention of the person creating and receiving the sound. And I wrote down these words, frequency plus intent equals healing. And that was probably in the mid-1980s. And now here it is, the mid-2000 and almost 15, we're 2014. And uh, I think that formula is more valid now than ever. At the time, I remember, remember trying to talk to scientists about the idea of intention, and they really thought that I was 
from another planet, which I am. But, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they thought, you know, intention, what a goofy, crazy thing. But there now, you know, it's quite possible to see Dr. Wayne Dyer doing a program on the power of intention on PBS. Or there's mm-hmm. another man by Masuro Emoto who's taken water molecules and frozen them when they've been exposed to different sounds and different intentionalities and found that they create different crystalline form. So this idea of intention is becoming more and more solidified and validated through the sciences. And even if it weren't, it's true and it's real. Yeah, experience and practice kind of proves this in your own life if you if you practice these things. For me, at least, and I'm sure for you as well. I yes. Want talk, I want to talk a bit about uh, vowels, the the powers of the vowels. I guess we'll say. Uh, you talk about vowels in your book and kind of the power of them. What? Uh, how are how are they relevant, and what what is so powerful about vowels? Okay. Well, I'm going to do two things, David. I'm going to tell you the answer to that, and then I'm going to bring the uh, subject since we have about a month until World Sound Healing Day. I'm going to bring the subject to World Sound Healing Day so you and any of your listeners can uh, really partake in this. But number one, vowels contain specific harmonics, specific harmonics that are, if you like, most prominent. And when they are in tone together, they will resonate. Different vowels will resonate the different chakras. Okay? Now watch this as I do this because I'm going to bring this into the subject of World Sound Healing Day. For example, the sound ah. Okay? It's a sound from the heart. And what what sound do we make when we like something a whole lot? Ooh. For you, I go and a lot of people I know go, ah, because a lot of people go, ooh, uh, but, ah, ah, I really like that, ah, that's so good, ah. And so uh-huh. ah is oftentimes a sound that people work with when they um, generate the energy, when they really like something. And if you like when they generate the energy of love. Now, about 12 years ago, actually, it's got to be more than 12 years ago, because we are celebrating now the 12th annual World Sound Healing Day. So it's got to be 13 years ago, at least. I remember being in a state of really deep meditation. And these beings, once again, could have been Pythagoras. I don't know who it was, whatever. Whoever it was said to me in my meditation, okay, You've been focused now for the last 20 uh, years or more on the uses of healing sounds on a personal level. And this is true. We want you to begin to incorporate using sound as a tool for planetary healing. I went, okay, great. The trouble was that I, um, whoever was speaking to me did not include a floor plan on how to do this. There was no map. There was no uh, key to do it. I had to figure it out myself. I figured that mm, somehow we've got to incorporate the Internet because the Internet, if you like, is the global brain, the global, it's the neural net of the planet. But what's so very, very important 
is that we need to be able to generate the energy of compassion for healing. Because, as my friend Sarah Benson said, the true sound of healing is love. So how do we, if you like, link up the the mind with the, for one of a better term, the heart? And in many different traditions, the answer is sound. So what happened was we built something, which is the world's first sacred sound temple, the world's first toning temple called Temple of Sacred Sound. And on noontime, wherever you are, on Valentine's Day, which is a day of love, thousands and thousands of people throughout the planet oftentimes will go to the um, Temple of Sacred Sound because there there's actually a chamber and you know we don't collect your uh, your name or your address or anything it's just there for people's uh, if you like um, people's use 24-7 but uh, it gets its most uh, use uh, right around um, World Sun Healing Day and um, people go there and they tone this ah sound together generating this energy of love and light through sound to our planet Earth, what I call the Gaia Matrix. And believe it or not, there has been um, scientific evidence through Princeton University, among others, that when energy of great compassion is generated together, it actually has the ability of interfacing with the field of our planet. Now, that sounds pretty out there, doesn't it? A little bit, but I've heard it before, so it's not too crazy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there we go. You know, it's like, really? Oh, my goodness gracious. Yes, but it's true. It's true. Mm-hmm. We have the ability of working. And that's that, to me, is so very, very important. The fact that we, as a species can get together and, you know, generate the energy of compassion. And then if you like the the overall effect of that is to raise the consciousness and the vibrations of our planetary consciousness, which means all beings on the planet, which means that people understand that it's not competition that's going to lead us into the next level of our being, cooperation. What I just said to you was really, really profound, and other people have said it as well, and I'm sure that you know it. But, you know, it's like, you know, when we compete with each other, it's fine if you're playing a game, but you get a winner and you get a loser. And oftentimes, you know, if it's in a world situation, it's a war situation, and you get a loser in the war uh, situation, the loser suffers and is decimated. Is that necessary? There's enough food on this planet. There's enough wa- uh, water on this planet. There's enough consciousness and awareness on this planet that we can begin to take care of each other and help each other coexist and live a life together of kindness and compassion. We don't need to be competing with each other. More is not better. I agree completely, and that was very well said. Thank it's, you. It's been a an interesting conversation. I have uh, well, may, one, maybe two more questions for you. Do, do you have the time? 
yes, indeed. Awesome. Yeah, as long as uh, as long as I uh, keep my mouth shut uh, for five minutes only. Okay. <laughs> I, I really liked what you talked about in your book, talking about uh, listening, using your ears as an organ of consciousness. I thought that was brilliant, worded so well, and it just makes so much sense. So basically kind of hearing sounds within sounds and, and uh, really just kind of tuning in to the world of sound and kind of being more in tune with that and your intuition and how it makes you feel. So how can we kind of improve this skill and, and be more mindful? Are there any exercises or practices that you would recommend? Boy, uh, David, great question. Uh, and we teach every year a nine-day hearing sounds intensive in a place called, get this, Loveland, Loveland Colorado, a beautiful, beautiful place called Sunrise Ranch, and it's nine days, and we start around 9 o'clock in the morning, and we have breaks for, uh, you know, lunch and dinner and to be able to assimilate stuff, and it's just a whole lot of fun. But it's nine days uh, for practically 12 hours a day. And, um, you know, were you to be there, I'd say you'd get it. I wouldn't have to answer it. To answer your question now, I'd say... The best thing is simply to sit still, close your eyes, and be aware. And that's all it takes, but for most people, a lot of people can't even just sit still. They can't even close their eyes. And to be aware, to listen to all the incredible plethora, all the different sounds that exist, I mean, I, we could, you and I right now, even be in silence, and there's sounds that I'm hearing, not only in our breathing, but over the uh, the phone lines, et cetera, et cetera, that are existing, and I'm wearing headphones. Imagine if I didn't have the headphones, I'd be able to hear stuff. I'd hear my own heartbeat, my own respiration. So, um, and this is an, actually an ancient, ancient yogic technique. It's called Nada Yoga, and uh, it's sort of the opposite of Mantra Yoga, where people are chanting all the time. This one is one where they listen, but through the listening, they travel to other levels of consciousness. Very cool. Great, great advice. Uh, just turning off your other senses and being, uh, you know, open and present and that kind of thing to... to uh, really unlock the, the power of hearing so that you can fully benefit from uh, sound healing. Uh, yeah, I mean, ho- hopefully, I mean, that would that'd be really cool. I was just, I'm just laughing because, by gosh, my golly, uh, I don't know of anyone who can really turn off their other senses, maybe turn down them a little bit. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Uh, I have one, one final question for you. In the work that I'm doing with, with the Healthy, Wild, and Free podcast, the goal is yeah. to, help pe- to help everyone, you know, listening to kind of expand uh, and grow and evolve uh, in the mind, body, spirit, being, and to uh, really just kind of awake into the the most evolved version of themselves so that they can make the, the largest uh, positive impact in, in society and in their lives and be fulfilled and happy and healthy and all these different things. Uh, so, so with that being said, what kind of uh, advice or practices do you practice in your life that you know may may have to do with sound healing or you know a few other things as well that you would highly encourage people to kind of utilize in their own lives. 
Uh, it's a beautiful question, and I also want to suggest, again, people go to our website, uh, healingsounds.com, because we've got some free downloads of different music. And, I mean, that, that's such a brilliant question, because uh, if, I, if, if I were to give you the, give you the answer, you'd, you'd think I was silly. But I would say, breathe. Because breathing is actually making sound. Here, I'll, I'll breathe making sound for you. If people can even just take a couple of minutes and take some nice, deep, slow breaths, you know, once an hour or something like that, they'd find that their nervous system, their heartbeat, their respiration would really begin to uh, tune in. I'd say if you can, listen to nice, relaxing music that resonates with you. And then, of course, really making sound. Go visit, uh, and all these things are linked on the uh, Healing Sounds website, so you'll be able to find a link for World Sound Healing Day etc. But uh, then, you know, make sound. Because sound is one of the most extraordinary tools. I mentioned just a few of the extraordinary um, if you like biochemicals from the nitric oxide to melatonin to the uh, reduction of uh, our, our you know, blood pressure to uh, heartbeat, respiration, brainwaves being slowed down to, uh, you know, to uh, nitric oxide uh, being released to um, the oxygenation of our cells. All these things happen simply through making sound. And I'm not talking about being a singer. I am not talking about being a singer or being uh, any sort of uh, you know, person who's skilled. You can simply, simply, simply sit there and hum, and uh, that's all it takes. And um, it's really quite extraordinary. It's really quite extraordinary. Did that make any sense at all? Definitely, and, and that's awesome. Great, great advice. That's very uh, practical and, and you know, anyone listening can use that right away today. Um, so once again, your website is healingsounds.com. And uh, is there any music you'd like to kind of uh, take take the podcast out on? You betcha, you betcha. This is, uh, as long as we're here, okay, I, I'm going to cue it up for you. And uh, then we're going to go out. This is... Um, well, I didn't. That's not it. Well, I'm bringing this one down. Okay, uh, those those were the brand new Lemurian tuning forks, but this one is called the Divine Name I Am, and I just we'll go out listening to this. And David, thanks so very very much. These are said to be sacred sounds that were received by Moses on Mount Sinai, and we have this wonderful woman singing along with it. So let's see what this sounds like now. Okay. Thank you again, David. Many blessings of love and light through sound to you and your listeners. Thank you.
Bye-bye now, David. Many blessings and thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. And we'll wrap the show with that, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Healthy, Wild, and Free podcast. I really hope you're enjoying these episodes and getting a lot of value from them uh, like I am. These, these guests have amazing insights, techniques, practices, uh, some amazing things that have helped them in their lives heal and grow and transcend to so many different uh, levels and to do so many amazing things. So uh, I really, really appreciate you listening. And if you do have the time, please leave a review on this podcast uh, on iTunes. If you search iTunes for Healthy, Wild, and Free, you can subscribe for all future episodes so you can listen to the episodes on your phone, iPod, on the go, in your car, or at home on your tablet or computer. And uh, just by leaving a review, it helps me know uh, and understand the feedback and uh, kind of tailor future episodes to uh, different healing, health, uh, spirituality, green living topics that may interest you. So uh, thank you so much for leaving a review. And if you could share this podcast uh, with your friends and family. And if you want to be notified about future videos, articles, books, interviews, and all sorts of amazing content, make sure to subscribe to the email newsletter on healthywildandfree.com as well as like the Facebook page Healthy, Wild, and Free. Thanks a lot for your time. We'll see you in the next episode.